everybody, welcome to another episode of Money and Stuff. I'm your host, Sam Rodriguez. With me as always is Connor Shepard, uh, here to talk to you about uh, Money and Stuff. We got a good yeah. one today, timely. Ooh, hopefully, we <laughs> hopefully we get to put it out before... Uh, before you know, something before, happens, before, before... Before something actually happens. How often does that happen to us? Yeah. Like every time we have something timely, right as we put it out, it sort of gets resolved, right? So maybe putting this out will actually yeah. resolve whatever, uh, what, what we were about to talk about. Right. With me as always, Connor Shepard. Connor, man, how are you doing? Doing well, Sam. I, uh, was in DC this weekend, uh, for my good friends, uh, engagement party. It was a lot of fun. I uh, got to see a bunch of old friends. Uh, so had a good weekend, tired, but good time. Good, man. Did you get the chance to, uh, talk to anybody about the uh, debt ceiling issue that we're about to discuss today? Did you? Get to give your input. I quite literally did. Let's hear it. That same friend who got engaged actually uh, in the middle of uh, a pregame before going out, uh, he just leans over and he's like, you know, Connor, the debt ceiling, debt ceiling is a real, real crisis right now. I was like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. let's talk. I'm Weird gonna... time to bring it up, but. Yeah. I meant anybody with influence over the decision-making process with the debt ceiling. <laughs> did not i i did not run into any politicians i was keeping an eye out but didn't find one. didn't happen okay all right well let's let's jump to it today um you know i think a good place to start will be talking about what the debt ceiling is and and giving some history on the debt ceiling so debt ceiling is is really almost exactly what it sounds like Right. Uh, the government sets a limit on the amount of debt that they're going to take on before they vote as to whether or not to take on any more debt. I'm going to tell you right now, the debt ceiling is a big deal, but I want to talk a little bit about why it really shouldn't be. Um, you have any idea? Did you look up like when the whole debt ceiling idea came about? Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, what is it? It looks like it was right around the end of world war one um that basically it like they started raising it as a way for them to have more flexibility and maneuverability with borrowing money um and yeah. issuing debt uh debt securities and so uh it initially was meant to be a way to give them more leverage more uh, maneuverability uh yeah as the government really yeah, it was really just how do we save time, right? Because prior to the debt ceiling, Congress would have to vote every time about issuing new government bonds. That's essentially what mm -hmm. this debt is. It's government bonds. That's how our government operates and finances things. That's how the government borrows money is by issuing bonds. And so what was happening prior to 1917 was a lot of Congress's time was being spent just constantly having to vote on increasing or, or, or increasing the amount of bonds that were out there. And during World War yeah. One, they were having to do this even more. So they said, basically, like, hey, how about we set a ceiling? So that way, we only have to vote on this every once in a while. And I think ceiling was probably the wrong choice of words. It was just bad mm -hmm. marketing, right? Because ceiling mm -hmm. implies a cap that you're not supposed to go beyond. When really, all they were trying to do was set a number that would put them far out enough that they would say, we probably don't have to vote on this for another year. Yeah. Right. 
So ceiling probably was never a good word. It was more, how high do we need to raise it to delay this so that way we can actually focus on other things that we need to be voting on? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely was not planned, uh, long-term like they they were not thinking very long-term with the idea of it being setting it as a number for the debt ceiling to reach whereas if i mean i'm not a politician maybe an easier solution would have been to just make it something you vote on quarterly or like every year or not every year sorry every four years or every five years like setting a time threshold as opposed to but i'm not a politician I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that would have taken away the um, sort of feeling of, oh, we can't cross this number, right? Would have, hey, where are we at? Okay, we'll vote again in another yeah. in, in another three months. You know, do we do we think we'll have enough to get through the next three months? If so, let's delay it. If not, what do we need to do to get to the next three months? Right? Yeah, that yeah. probably would have been better instead of being able to use the debt ceiling as uh, as leverage and a grandstanding tool. And I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to um, say something about either of the political parties. Both have been known to use the debt ceiling when it is to their advantage to do so. But the reality is it's not supposed to be this big of a deal. And I know people say, oh, well, we can't let spending get out of control. Um, you, you know, when the pandemic hit, yes, we did spend a lot of money. Um, you know, we can, I don't want to get into how much money was being spent before then, but it comes down to, can we service that debt, right? The government, the US government has operated on debt for a lot longer than people realize. But the important thing is, is the amount of money we bring in from taxes, right? Is the revenue that we bring in, is it enough to meet our monthly payments? So imagine, you know, your mortgage payment, your car payment, you know, your electric bill, whatever else you have, you've got to make sure that your income is enough to pay those things, right? And a few of those things are paid with debt, your mortgage, your car payment. Those are the two main things, right? And, and as a government, there's some things that we pay with debt. And we do that by issuing bonds, right? So to give you an idea like of where we sit right now, you know, um, over the last eight years, we've increased our revenue from $4 trillion to $4.9 trillion. So we've increased it quite, quite a bit. Um, and so when they talk about, you know, giving the, a, a higher budget to the IRS, it's more about being more efficient with how we collect taxes, because I want to say that they estimate that we're missing about a trillion dollars a year in taxes that people are just um, kind of getting away with because we don't have the staff to really audit people the way that they should be. And it's yeah. not, you know, your everyday W-2 income earner. It is your... Um, like it, it takes a lot to get to a trillion, right? So it's 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 your people who 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 uh, have extremely high incomes or extremely high net worths that are probably getting around most of it. But as of right now, what it takes to service that debt, right, make those debt payments, um, at you know, I'll, I'll give a little bit of history. So you know, in the late '90s, it was at four hundred billion dollars just to service that debt, right? Not thinking about. Um, what it takes to fund Social Security and all our other government programs, but just to service the debt, $400 billion. By 2015, that had dropped to $300 billion. By the time we got to 2020, right, we had gotten that to over $400 billion. So in four years, jumped up by like 25%. But we are on the way down right now. 
right? That debt service is down to $350 billion. So all of this talk about cutting spending, it's sort of already naturally happening, right? You've got to remember that over the last few years, we've spent a lot of money trying to make sure that we did not go into financial catastrophe during the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And that spending has been cut. And a lot of the debt that was issued um, was issued at extremely low interest rates. So to service that debt is not very difficult at all. So mm -hmm. similar to anyone who bought a car or bought a home, you know, in 2020, 2021, you have a ridiculously low interest rate that you're paying on your mortgage. It's the same thing with the debt that was accumulated during that period of time. To service mm -hmm. it is almost nothing, right? So as a total of all of the outlay, right, you look at the debt that we've accumulated from 1980 to, to 2000, to service that debt, it was about 12 to 16% of the total outlay of spending, right? Mm -hmm. That's how much it made up of it. But it, 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 you know, it did get lower from 2000 to 2015, dropped to about nine or 10%, and then jumped to over 16% by the time we got to 2020, right? So even already before the pandemic hit, we were at like 16%. So it had jumped up, but it's already dropping again, right? Yeah. It's dropping. Uh, I want to say we're at like, closer to like 10%, 9%, something like that. So this is a lot of, I don't want to say that the debt ceiling isn't a big deal, but um, we're in a spot where, you know, I'm not saying that the U S should take on more debt um, for things that, you know, I don't, I don't want them to take on debt just to take on debt, but I do want them to take on debt to meet their obligations, right? We're in a spot where we're not increasing the amount that we'll be spending to service that debt. We're actually, mm -hmm. it's actually already on the way down. So um, this is, um, even, I don't really know what to call it. Even, yeah. And I, maybe that would be a good point to talk about, you know, even with that being the case, even with the misrepresentation that calling it a debt ceiling, you know, brings forward. Um, can you, Kind of explain what would what would we expect to happen if nothing no agreement is reached and if um we just seem to hit so our, why, you know hit the limit so why is it actually a big deal is what you're asking yeah yeah well imagine what would happen at home if um you suddenly stopped paying your bills right your credit worthiness would go down right mm -hmm. when your credit score goes down everything becomes more expensive. Your insurance becomes more expensive. Any additional debt you want to get becomes more expensive. It becomes very difficult, right? And so it would cause a lot of economic disruption. So number one is we would probably be downgraded, right? Like right now, the United States is seen as the most credit worthy country in the world. That's why everybody likes to hold US debt. But what happens is if we don't pay our bills is our credit rating drops. Like countries actually have credit ratings and our credit rating can drop. And if our credit rating drops, suddenly we're not as attractive of a borrower, right? And when that happens, suddenly it becomes more expensive to borrow. Yeah. So even though rates are higher, they're still fairly low compared to historical standards. But if our credit rating drops and then we, and then we have to start issuing debt again, um, it will cost a lot more to service that debt down the road. So for example, yeah. in 2011, we had a similar standoff, all right? And I'll tell you um, a few things happened. One, US credit rating was downgraded, 
right? And two, the markets obviously didn't like it. It creates a lot of uncertainty. And the market did drop by about 20% over that summer when they were trying to get this figured out. Now, I will say as soon as they came to an agreement, the market rebounded very quickly and we ended the year basically flat. So once they come to an agreement, you know, even if we see some market volatility, I think the economy is still in a pretty good place. We just got to um, you know, come to an agreement so everybody feels comfortable and, and, and markets go back up. But what's interesting is what that three to four month standoff actually cost us. So it's estimated that over 10 years, that standoff actually ended up costing the U.S. $18.9 billion. Right? That drop in credit worthiness, all the ramifications of it ended up costing us almost $19 billion. Right. So to come up with some sort of agreement before we can't meet our debt obligations or before we can't pay our bills is, is very, very important in keeping our budget low. Right. Um, you know, the other thing from a standpoint of um, what happens if this drags on and on and on, it's, you know, one is uncertainty. People will not feel good about it. It will make people very uneasy. The markets will fall. But there's also a reason the markets will fall. Government spending accounts for about 25% of our GDP. That means everything that the government spends money doing, right? Paying employees, government contracts, whatever it is, it's about 25% of our economy. And if suddenly the government has to just stop spending money, that's a lot of money that leaves our economy. And if all of that money leaves our economy, our economy really starts to go down very, very quickly. So that uncertainty that people feel is not unfounded. It really can have some dire consequences down the road. Definitely. I mean, it's very unfortunate that so, so often in more, you know, recent history with these standoffs about the debt ceiling, you know, it's so much saber rattling and, and brinksmanship, but there are ripple effects from just simply dragging it out. And yeah, the ripple, the ripple effects hurt to... people like you and I and our clients and everybody else who may be listening, right? That's who it really hurts. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, it's, it's something that we, it's something that we cannot not deal with. It has to be addressed. We can't, um, we can't not do something about it. Right. And it's unfortunate that we always wait till the last minute because it creates a lot of fear and anxiety in a lot of people. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the, uh, the other thing that, that I think both sides need to realize is that, you know, if we don't come to some sort of agreement and debt service is more expensive because, um, you know, we get some sort of down rating credit, uh, credit worthiness from, uh, as far as credit worthiness is concerned, you know, you got two sides of this equation, what you're spending and what you're bringing in. And if it costs more, you know, even if we end up with some cuts in the government budget, they may be offset by an increased amount of debt servicing uh, spending, mm -hmm. right? If, if we get downgraded in credit. And if that happens, then as citizens, we may have an extra bill because the government may have to actually raise taxes in order to continue to meet the new higher interest debt obligations that they've had to incur because they don't have as high of a credit rating. So it's very, very important that they get this figured out. 
but there's really nothing to figure out. The answer is just raise it. Yeah. Right? Yes. Do we want the government to cut spending? Yes. But spending actually has already been dropping, right? Or at yeah. least what it costs for what we spend, it's been dropping. So, but it's, it's not any more complicated than that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a revenue and expenses thing. And, and, um, you know, I know there's a few things on the table that people talk about cutting, right? They keep talking about cutting uh, Medicare or cutting Social Security. And I don't think you can do either of those two because I think both of those will be economically devastating mm -hmm. because cutting either of those two takes money out of senior citizens' pockets. You take money out of senior citizens' pockets, you take money out of the economy. Again, yep. economically devastating to do so, right? Um, and I think we need to work hard to keep our credit worthiness. So that way, whatever debt we do issue, we keep it at a low interest rate. So that way it doesn't cost us very much to service that debt. Definitely. Let's hope, let's hope they can figure something out. It's not that hard, right? It shouldn't be made as big of a deal as it is. It should not be used as a political weapon by anybody. Um, this is how our government is able to stay afloat and do everything that we need it to do. And we just need them to raise it. That's all there is to it. It just has to be raised. Simple as that. Yeah, that's it. All right. That's all I got. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I should say about it. I'm looking at my notes really quickly, but I don't know. There's, there's not, there's not a lot to it. I mean, it's, you know, this thing has already been raised. I mean, it kind of came into effect around 1917 and it's been raised about a hundred times already. Yeah. Right. It's the yeah. way it was designed to operate. That was the design and yep. we need to just keep following the design right now. <sighs> we'll just have to wait and see. That's right. We'll wait and see. All right. Who knows what we're going to talk about next time? I think we've already, so we already, uh, we talked about taxes before, right? Mm -hmm. And then we thought this debt ceiling thing would be a good thing to talk about. Um, we got to come up with something. We'll have something new and exciting for you guys next time. Very exciting. Right? Uh, <laughs> whatever it is, it's going to be exciting. All right, guys. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know what we're talking about next time, but look forward to it. Look very much. You should be looking forward to it. Thanks a lot.